Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're in part four of a four-part series about hearing God. And for a quick refresher, and for those of you who are just joining us, uh, week one, what we did is we talked about how the God who we see in the Bible used to speak, he still speaks today. And then week two, we said, okay, well, if that's the case, um, how do we hear God's voice? How, how can we position ourselves in such a way to do that? And then last week, in week three, we said, okay, if we think we're hearing from God, what are some filters, what are some practical filters we can put in place so we don't end up doing something that God isn't saying to do or, or, or misunderstanding what it is that God might be saying? So that's where we've been, and, and, I, and I say this with complete sincerity. Of all the things we've talked about so far, this is the key. This one is the key. Because you can come away from the first three, and if you're just kind of doing a partial attention thing, you can come away from the first three weeks and say, okay, great. Now I'm all set. If I have a question for God, I know what to do. If I have uh, something I need help with from God, then I know what to do. And if that's the paradigm, I haven't done my job. If that's the paradigm you're coming away with. Because you don't, that's not where God wants us to end up. He doesn't want us to end up in, a, in, in the place where we simply, okay, now I have a question for God, here's, here's how I get answers, or, or to simply be in a spot of, I need something from God now, so, so now I know what to do. The goal of the series is not to, to give us some magic rituals that open a portal to God, and then we have this access for our question or to get what we need. Uh, the goal of this series is, is to help, help us move along towards a conversational relationship with God. Well, the, the biblical word is abiding, where we're abiding with God as we go through through our lives. Hopefully that'll make more sense if it doesn't already as, as we, we dive in here. Well, let's dive in. Uh, we opened week one of this series with a passage from, from uh, John chapter 10. Let's just revisit it real quick. Uh, here are the passages, really condensed. It says this. It says, a good shepherd, and this is one of the metaphors. This is one of the metaphors that God gives us about a relationship that we can have with him. This metaphor of shepherd and sheep. And look what he says. He says, a good shepherd... These are the words of Jesus, calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out, for they know his voice. Stranger, they're not going to follow. They're going to flee from him. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is just one of the places in the Bible where, where the metaphor is given of sheep and, and a shepherd. And everything... Everything we've looked at in weeks one through three is going to be just shy of worthless if, if, if we miss this point. And, and I'd encourage you to write this down. Even though it seems like Christianity 101, I encourage you to write this down because we need to get, get this. Not just get this, but get, get this. It's a, the Bible distinguishes sheep from goats. It's so important that we understand that. If, if we want to understand this, this idea of hearing God, we, we need to get this. Sheep and goats, they don't have um, just different dispositions. In the Bible, sheep and goats, they share different destinies. They share different destinies. Here's a classic text where we see this, at least in the eternal scope of things. This is from Matthew chapter 25, starting verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels are with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him, he's going to be gathered all the nations, and he's going to separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to place the sheep on his right. He's going to place the goats on his left. Now, here's why I'm laying all this out before we even dive in. Did you know you can, be a, you can attempt to hear from God and still be a goat? Did you know you can sincerely be asking to hear from God and still be a goat? 
I'm not going to launch into the whole thing. I've launched it before. We used to have a goat. His name was Bingo. He was a really naughty, naughty creature. Um, and, and here's one of the things you need to know about, about goats. The Bible distinguishes sheep from goats. Goats, they go their own way unless they want something. Even Bingo the naughty goat, would, when he wanted something from us, he would, he would come to us. But goats, for the most part, they go their own way unless they want something. And when a person who fits the biblical category of goat, when they have a question they can't answer, when they, when they need information, when they're in a crisis situation, a lot of times they'll cry out to God. You know, until they either get what they want or they don't get what they want. And then they go off back to doing their own way. Usually when a goat turns to God, because they don't have a conversational relationship with God, because this is foreign to them, this idea of how do you really hear from God, because that's foreign to a, to a goat, a lot of times what a goat will try to do is get the ritual right. They'll try to get the ritual right. They'll, they'll think, okay, um, what, what, are, what are those things I was learning? Oh, I got I to gotta go do that confession thing. Or, 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 or what do I got to do? Oh, I got to tack in Jesus' name to the end of my prayer. Then, then the portal opens up or whatever. Well, here's one of the things I thought when I was a kid, when I was a little goat, um, uh, when I was a little goat, I, I've got in front of me here, I have a couple, couple objects. Uh, here on my left, I've got an amazing picture of a goat. This is, I mean, this is, this is, this is, wow. And, uh, and then next to that, I have a picture, um, and this is, this is a blown up picture here on the screens of, of the picture. Now, this is a picture that hung in my grandma Esther's dining room. This picture did. Uh, this, this picture of Jesus praying. And, and as a little goat who just did my own thing, but thought, wouldn't it be cool if... I could pray like Jesus prayed and then get answers like Jesus got. I, I thought, okay, I don't know how to do that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray like Jesus prayed. And Well, how did Jesus pray? Look at his hands. He's got his pinkies out. And, and no lie, I, I thought, if I get my pinkies out, maybe that's like an antenna to God. And if I position myself like this, and I, then I pray with Jesus, then the shaft of light comes down and makes my head all glowy, and, and good things start to happen. And, and so I thought, if I get the ritual right, then portal opens up, and, and I'm all good. And there's still people that teach ritual, ritual, ritual. And is it important to pray like Jesus prayed? Yes. But does Jesus pray, the way Jesus prayed, have anything to do with how he held his hands? No. The way Jesus prayed was in the context of a relationship, a real relationship that he had with God. And if you want to get to a spot where you're really hearing, really hearing in such a way that's, that's, that's making a difference, don't just do the ritual. You want to open up that, that relationship. And the way you open up that relationship is by being a sheep, becoming a sheep. Here, here's what I, another thing I encourage you to write in your, in your notes. Just as, um, as goats go their own way until they want something, we have these sheep that the Bible describes who allow themselves to be led whether it's to green pastures or through dark valleys. Even a goat is going to turn to God on occasion. Sheep allow themselves to be led consistently. Now, do sheep ever sometimes stray? Absolutely. Every, every sheep, every sheep strays from, from time to time. But there's a big difference between a sheep that strays and a goat who sometimes turns to God. Big difference between, between those two. And, and here's the thing. If, if you are a goat, my, my point is not here. I'm going to try to guilt you into becoming a sheep. I, I want to tell you, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. God is everything that you never know you always wanted. Here, here, here's why. I encourage you to write this in your notes. And it seems so simple, but it's so deep, so rich. Why do you want to have sheep? Because God shepherds his sheep. 
Why would anyone want to be a sheep? Well, because God will shepherd you if you're a sheep. Well, I described the objects on my left, the objects on my right here. I've got two more objects, an amazing lifelike picture of a sheep, and also my third grade Bible. My third grade Bible. The, I, bring that up, I bring that here for two reasons. Well, actually three, because the pictures are so cool. You know, if you ever had this Good News Bible, you got these stick people that are just amazing. And, uh, but, but, but beyond that, uh, this was the first time we've done a series here on hearing God. This was the first time someone spoke to me. We didn't grow up in a church that, that ever talked about God speaking to people, prophetic words, any of that kind of stuff. This was the first time somebody spoke to, to, to me. My third grade Sunday school teacher wrote a little note. She had something very specific that she wrote to me that was really calling out something that, that God was trying to call out. And I spent the next 10 years trying to run from that because I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that thing she was calling out in me. But over time, I began to discover that having a good shepherd is everything I never knew I always wanted. And in that same Bible, in that, that same little thing that she wrote, she also referenced Psalm 23. Psalm 23. That was one of our memory verses as a third grader. We memorized it in what's called the King James Version. Anyone else ever memorized Psalm 23 in the King James Version? Oh, look at that. All right, here's our test. Catechism time. We'll put you on the spot. We'll all read it together, um, and we'll put the words on the screen. But for those of us who, uh, who memorize this, try to do it with our eyes closed. All right? Here we go. So everyone read this together so that we don't feel silly. But, uh, but, but let's read this. This is Psalm 23 from the Bible. This is a, 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 a passage that she had us memorize, and it talks about God being a shepherd. Let's, let's give it a shot. Everyone together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a reason why this passage is one of the most memorized passages there are. We don't have time to do it justice, but we're going to quickly walk through this. We'll walk through it in a, in a translation that is this accurate, but uses more, um, more uh, English the way we're uh, accustomed to it. So let's jump right in. There's this idea of God being a shepherd. Um, as, as you open up your Bibles to Psalm 23, let me quickly mention that if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one free today. We keep a stack of them there on the back on the welcome table. Please just take one. We'd love to, to give that to you as a, as a free gift. All right, here we go. Psalm 23, verse 1. Comes out firing. The Lord is my shepherd, it says, I shall not want. All right, let me hit pause. Let's talk about that real quick. Second word in is what? Lord. How many of you in your Bibles is that capitalized? Anyone? Okay, it's capitalized. Does anyone, we've talked about this before. Does anyone know why, what that means? When you come across your, in your Bible, the word Lord in, in caps, what does that mean? Does anyone know? It, it's talking, yeah, they're using the name of God, the holy name of God. Um, it was, a, it was a, a name revealed to, to Moses in the wilderness, a name so holy that, that people didn't want to mispronounce it. And so when you see that word all caps, Lord, they're talking about a very specific God. They're not just talking about a Lord. They're not just talking about a God. It is the God of Israel. The God of Israel. So what this author is saying, 
this poet, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, not just a generic higher power, not a God fashioned in my own image, not whatever is the trendy religion of the day that's just going to give me a guiding light. This, this is a specific God. He's my shepherd, the God of Israel. And notice, what's the fourth word in? Say it out loud. One, two, three, four. My. Does anyone know who this psalm was attributed to? David. Very good. A guy named David. David understood being a shepherd. He understood it on both of the biblical reference points. There's the reference point of a shepherd of sheep, literal sheep. David was a shepherd of literal sheep at a point in his life. And he was a good shepherd. He was a good shepherd. He knew what it meant to lead them to still waters. He knew what it meant to protect them from the dangers. He protected his sheep from a bear, from a lion. He was a good shepherd. He understood. He got it. So when, when David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, he's not just saying, the Lord is kind of like a shepherd, I think. No, he gets it. And he's saying, He's my shepherd. He'll guide me. He'll lead me. He'll protect me. And not only on that level did David understand shepherd, he also understood it on a different level. David wasn't just a shepherd of sheep. David was a shepherd of people. David was a shepherd of people. One of the, the, the phrases or the terms that they would use in, the, in, the, in that ancient world was shepherd. Sometimes they refer to a leader as a shepherd. A king was a shepherd. And David became a king. And David understood what it meant to be a good shepherd. He knew that a good shepherd will, will reign with justice. He will ensure that justice happens. David understood that there are times where you need to be merciful as, as, a, as, a, as a leader, as a ruler. He knew that we've got to protect the people. We need to protect the people sometimes from themselves. We need to protect them from outside enemies. He got it. He understood it. And the hard way he learned too, leaders have to be people of integrity. They have to be consistent. And so David got it. He understood shepherd. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And when God is your shepherd, you don't want. At least the things that you really need, you're not of want for those. The good shepherd makes sure you have what you need. He won't always give you your heart's desire, mostly for our own good, but he'll give you what you need. When, when a shepherd is a good shepherd, whether it's over a flock, over a nation, those who are under their care lack nothing they need provided they follow him or her. So starting point for all of this, have you ever done that? Have you ever said to the Lord, the God of Israel, not, not again, just, just only some higher power, some, some, some deity, some concept. Have you ever said to the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, you're my Lord. Be my shepherd. If you want to hear from God, that's where it really begins. The passage continues. Let's go into verses 2 and 3. They say this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, there's so much there. But we'll just have to kind of scratch the surface on this. Now, we've commented before, when we've, when we've looked at this Psalm 23, we've commented that we have to look at it through, through the, the eyes, not only of, of us, but, but the eyes of the, the original people that, that would have seen this. And, and, and in that time, in that place, they didn't have this green, lush pastures all over the place. I mean, in that time, in that place, especially when it wasn't the rainy season, see, you had this little kind of dried shrub here, you had this dried shrub here, and, and, and for a, a, a good shepherd... They would have to lead these sheep. They'd have to really know what they were doing to lead the sheep to green pastures. 
Now, what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. Because in this world, we often, we often mistake a dried-up shrub for a green pasture. And it takes a lot of faith for us to say, okay, the shepherd is telling me, I'm munching here on this dry shrub. It's, it seems to be satisfying me. But, but my shepherd is taking me somewhere else. It takes a lot of faith to say, I'm going to leave this dry shrub, and I'm going to follow with the hopes that the shepherd's going to lead me to a greener pasture, to a still water. Now, let's get very practical on this. Those of you who are underage, under the legal limit to drink, it, 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 often it looks like, okay, everyone else is drinking. Everyone else is. And they're having so much fun. Are you going to have the faith to say, I'm going to stop nibbling on this dried up shrub. And I'm going to trust in what God says about obeying authorities and all that. Or you're not married and you're hooking up. And you say, everyone else is hooking up. Everybody else is hooking up. Are you going to trust God when he says, stop eating that dried up shrub. I've got something better for you. I've got this thing called the covenant of marriage. Will you trust me that that's better? You know, we could go on and on and on. Um, in, in our culture, people want what they want now. So they'll charge it. They'll charge it. They'll charge it. Are you willing to trust what God says about finances? And say, I'm going to give up this shrub of immediate gratification for true financial freedom. Are you willing to trust him in that? When it seems like everyone else cheats to get ahead, when everyone else looks at porn, when everyone else gossips, whatever the whatever else is, are you willing to say, all right, I'm going to put my faith that this is just a shrub and that God has something better. As you do that, it might take time, but as you do that, here's what you're going to find out. There's a guy, C.S. Lewis, he so, was so brilliant. One of the, the, the things he said is he said, you know, there are, there are the, all these people and they're, they're just playing in a mud puddle because they can't get a vision of the ocean. Are, are you willing to trust that, that God wants to say to show you that, that what everyone else is settling for, it's a mud puddle? It might seem like fun, but it's a mud puddle. God's got something better for you. Are you willing to trust him to lead you to that place? It takes faith, but are you willing to, to, to let him lead you to that place? The word righteousness, a lot of times we think goody-goody when we think righteousness. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is right. The right path, that's what it is. Righteousness is right. And I don't just mean right in the, okay, there's wrong, which is fun, and there's right, which is not fun. That, no, it's right. It's the right way. It's what you were designed for, created for. Are you willing to trust that God can lead you in the ways of righteousness? And not just for your sake either. For his sake. Are you willing to trust that? Um, Ryan and Melissa, when I went down to visit them, uh, the guy that leads up Heartline, his name's John. And, 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 and John, every time we would pray, he always prayed for the persecuted church. I took note of that. Here he is in Haiti, where the needs are so great all around him, and he kept praying for the persecuted church. And I also took note of this. Every time he prayed for the persecuted church, he didn't, he didn't pray necessarily that, that God was going to set him free. He prayed that they wouldn't shame the name. What if God could bring us to a place where, where we were less concerned about our immediate circumstances and we were all about, God, may you be honored and glorified. Because ultimately, that's what we were created for. That's what we're going to do in eternity. What if God could bring us to that place? Ultimately, isn't that what hearing God's about? 
hearing, hearing God, I mean, we need to set the bar higher. You know, we, we've reduced hearing God to, what college should I go to? Is that an important question? Yes. But don't set the bar that low when it comes to hearing God. Set the bar at, what if I begin to follow him wherever he leads? What if, what could happen in me and through me? If that's the case, where your soul could find deep peace and rest. As God's name is glorified in us, when people see that our lives have more purposes, our relationships are stronger, our friendships are richer, and we're living in freedom rather than fear. All right, we could continue on here. Psalm 23, verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Now, it's interesting I put the Hebrew transliteration up there of this word, and the reason I put it up there is if I'm understanding this correctly, I, my Hebrew's non-existent, but if my sources are, are talking the truth here, um, what this is, is, it's a combination of two words. A combination of two words. One of them meaning shadow, one meaning death. And when you put these two words together, it amplifies it. So this is like saying, this is the shadowiest of shadowy places. Even in the shadowiest of shadowy places, I'm going to fear no evil. Wow. And again, let's contrast Sheep and goats real quickly. When a goat is scared, sometimes they'll cry out to God. When, when a goat is, is fearful. And usually um, when that happens, if they don't get the answer that they want, they'll blame God. God, why not? Why aren't you listening to me? And, and, and they have all these kind of things. Are, are you willing to let God turn you into the sheep where in any circumstance you can have a deep, in part because you know that God carries this mighty rod. And, 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 and if I'm understanding that correctly, a, a shepherd back in the day, a shepherd of sheep would have a mace-like implement that they'd keep on their waist, this mace-like club. That was the rod. And it was used as a weapon. You know, and, and not just the shepherd of sheep, but then the shepherd of people, they would have this thing called a scepter, which was basically based on, the, on a rod that was a sign of authority. And, and one of the reasons why a sheep can have confidence is God is mighty to save. Can God bring you out of danger? Yes, he can. He can deliver you from anything. He's God. He's mighty. There's none like him. And so that rod of, of, of God, the rod of God. I, I did, wow, wow. Um, that, that it, it's mighty. There's none like it. There's none like it. And so we can have the confidence. We can have the faith when we walk through the shadowy places that, that God can protect us. But not only that, not only that, God also has this staff. It, it, the staff was the, the, the thing where you guide the sheep with the longer in, in, implement. Not only does, does God have, that, have that, 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 that way to deliver, God can also, in the midst of things, he can guide us through, he can use us, even in his horrible situations. You know, that's why we can see these true sheep in prison singing hymns. And, and, and we can see a persecuted church who says, praise God for my imprisonment. What if God could bring us to that place where we say, you know what? God, you are mighty to save. You could set me free. You could turn this thing around. But even if you don't, I'm going to praise you because you're going to use this. You're going to use this illness. You're going to use this tragedy. You're going to somehow take what the enemy intended for evil and you're going to turn it for good as you guide me in this situation. What if? Instead of just being a goat, we panic. Ah! Discomfort! Cry out to God! Rescue me from discomfort. What if we said, God, I'm here. This is happening. Use me. 
deliver me if you will, use me, regardless of the circumstances. Wow, what if, what if we let God take us there? Verse five, it says this, it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Wow, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. A lot could be said about this. Let me just quickly touch on it. Uh, the word pictures here continue. Here the shepherd now becomes a host at a great banquet. And notice at this banquet, the enemies are powerless to take what you have. Imagine that. Imagine getting to a place, as God leads us, imagine getting to a place where your enemies have no power over you because no matter what they do, they can't take what you really have. In fact, God has changed you so much, your enemies, you pray for them. Your heart goes out to them. What if God could do that? And, and this is beautiful imagery here of oil. Um, this sounds kind of weird to us, but, but sometimes you go to the banquet, you, they put oil on you so you look nice and shiny. Now that's not necessarily something that we value highly, but at the time it was great, and you smelled better. Well, the other thing oil does is, is it, it was used for anointing to a special purpose. So here you at this banquet. God's cleaning you up, presenting you. You're in the presence of the enemies, and, and there's no danger. And then he anoints you for, for, your, for plans and purposes that he has. Well, then out of that flows this, um, verse 6, the last verse here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this is interesting. In, in, in America, 21st century America, most of us have been exposed to Christianity. We hear this dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We think heaven. That's what it's talking about. If I'm understanding my sources correctly, that's not what they would have thought. They would have thought when they heard dwell in the house of the Lord. Does anyone know what they would have thought of? They would have thought of the temple. And if they would have thought of the temple, they'd say, Dwell in the temple, I can't, unless you were a Levite. Unless your birth order, the, 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 the way you were born, the person you were born as, you, you couldn't. You couldn't dwell in the house of the Lord that way. Well, well, how does someone who's not a Levite become a Levite unless they're born again? And isn't that true of how a goat becomes a sheep? goat can't become a sheep unless that goat is somehow born again. And how does a goat get born again? Please write this down. A goat can become a sheep through faith and faithfulness. How does a goat become a sheep? A goat becomes a sheep through faith and faithfulness. Now, for those that have a Hebrew mindset, you're going, uh, that's redundant. Because if you believe something, you do it. There's no separation between faith and faithfulness. If you have faith in something, you put your faith in it. If I believe that the floor won't collapse under me, will I jump on the floor? That's what faith is. Well, in, in America, I have to add the disclaimer because in America, we have these good intentions and that makes it all right. Or, or we say we believe things, but then we do something totally different. And there's a whole lot of people that check. I'll say it this straight up. There's a whole lot of people who check the Christian box who aren't sheep. And a sheep becomes, or goat becomes a sheep through faith and faithfulness. Is there, is, well, before I jump into that whole thing, let me put a, a great quote up here by Dallas Willard. I also put some more quotes in your notes too, kind of some bonus stuff that we just didn't have time to cover today. 
Dalswood says this. He goes, Christianity, this is an important word for us. Christianity, it's more than a Roman's road of doctrinal ascents by which we supposedly gain God's approval merely for believing what every demon believes to be true about Jesus and his work. Isn't that right on? It's, it's more than saying, I believe something. It's, it's more than an intellectual understanding. That's why they call it a leap of faith. It, it's an it's, it's, it's acting on this. And is there a conscious part? Yes, there is a conscious part. And in fact, in your, in your notes, if you've, never, if, you, if you've never done this before, if you've never said, God, I'm going to trust you as shepherd, inside your notes, I have a prayer you can pray. That's a starting point. You don't have to use those words. They're not magical, magic ritual words. Portal opens up, head glows. But, but you can use these words. You can use other words. But is there a place where, yep, you consciously surrender and say, God, my life is yours? Yes, absolutely. But that's a starting point. You become a sheep then as you begin to walk it out. And we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And God, Christ is formed then in us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe this will help. Um, let me put a picture here up on, on the screens. Uh, this is an old painting. I know it's hard to see, so I'll explain it a little bit. For those listening online, um, Google this, this image. If you Google uh, Holman, I think it's yeah, Holman Hunt, Christ knocking and door, you'll get, you'll get this, this picture here. And what we have here is this, this, this painting. And in this painting, there's kind of this bunker-like structure. It almost looks like a tomb. And Jesus is standing outside, and he's knocking on it. He's got this, this lantern, this light. And it's interesting, different people have commented that they, they can't really see a doorknob there on that door. It's almost as if the thing's locked from the inside. And I think a lot of people, the goats anyway, the goats are, are sitting inside this bunker. And, and every once in a while, they'll want an answer to a question, and they pick up their cell phone inside the bunker. 411, God, can you help me out with this? I need an answer. Oh, I got no bars. You know? or, or there's an emergency. They're in the bunker. And there's an emergency. And they, they call out to God and they hit 911 and they say, God, help me with this. And there's no bars. Are, are you willing to step out of the bunker and say, God, teach me what it means to be your disciple? Yeah, Dan, you can come, come on up. So, so this is what I want to close with today. I want to give you some time to reflect on that. First and foremost, have you ever stepped out? Have you ever said, okay, God, I'm opening the door and I'm going to consciously make this decision to follow you? And if you don't have words for that, just say that. Or you can pray the prayer that, that I include in your notes. But take that step. Or maybe for some of us, it's, hey, I gotta come back to that. Today is a day to come back and say, God, you know what? I've been going my own way. I have not been listening to you. I've not been surrendering. I've not been following. Today, I wanna start fresh. I'm coming out of this bunker. And during this time, too, for some of you, you might hear a very specific thing. You know, I, when I did this exercise at 9 o'clock, I had this picture of myself, and, and I'm, I'm saying, Jesus, I'll be with you in a second here. I just got to do this thing here. And, and what was really neat about this is as I, I thought I saw God smile and just say, come on, come on. There, there might be some things as you're praying this that, that come to mind, things that you don't want to let go of, that you know you're supposed to let go of. Trust God and say, right now, I'm letting go of that. I'm letting go of that. I'm letting go of that. Or for some of you, you're like, I can't. My hand is just locked onto this thing and saying, God, will you help me let go of this? So let's give you just a minute here or two to reflect on that. So let me pray. Father, Holy Spirit, fill this place. And even those who, who, who have no 
reference point for what we're about to do. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Give us all in this moment. Saints, pray this with me. Give us all in this moment ears to hear. Push back all of the deception. Strip away all the callousness. Anything that would prevent us from hearing from you right now. And Holy Spirit, come and speak. That we may step out in faith and begin to follow you, the good shepherd. The places we never find on our own. Open our minds, open our hearts to what you would say in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. My hope is that this would be something that you don't just do on Sundays. We're going to try to do a better job of carving on Sundays a little bit of time to reflect on these things, but, but, but don't let it be a Sunday thing. What if you started each day or ended each day with just a minute or two of that? And then what if that built into more of a moment-by-moment -moment thing where throughout your day you're seeking to, to hear and, and be shepherded by this God? To that end, let's, let's pray and please stand. Let me pray a blessing as, as we go forth. Father, um, we, we pray that you would bless us in that way. Thank you for being such a good shepherd. Thank you for, for giving us these examples of just how good you are, where you will leave the 99 and you'll come searching for us. Lord, what an honor that the king of all kings will come searching for us. So Lord, help us to humble ourselves and respond to that and to, to, to offer ourselves fully. Lord, I pray for those who, who can't let go on their own of these, these things that are holding them back. Lord, we pray for your spirit and your people to, to come and, and help them to do what they could do on their own as you work in and through, through them. And Lord, we pray that as we go forth this week, this very week, that you will lead and guide us in fresh ways as we go forth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace. Seek and serve the Lord.